this that don't bother me, but don't let it bother you. That's good enough, right? Uh, it it ain't gonna change the way I preach or what I say or do. But uh, so, uh, but uh, you pray for us this morning uh, that we'd uh, that we'd be able to do and say uh, what the Lord wants done. So, uh, but uh, certainly this is a a special day uh, that we set aside and. And we set aside this day for remembrance of what Christ has done. And <clears throat> But uh, when we set this day aside and we remember what Christ has done, uh, not only do we remember what Christ has done, but what Christ will do. And he said, remember these things as often as you do. Do these things in remembrance of me. But he said, do them till I come again. Uh, so we know that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, and and uh, uh, the Bible tells us in the Book of Acts that that uh, the people of Israel, the church, the New Testament church, the first believers, uh, they came and they assembled themselves and they seen Jesus go away, uh, and the angel said unto him, "Why said Why stand you here gazing? For the same Jesus that went away shall also return in like manner." And so that's the day that we're looking for now. Uh, we're looking for that day when Jesus Christ himself uh, shall come and redeem his church. And uh, the adoption will be complete. The marriage will be consummated. Uh, and we'll go home to our home in heaven. Uh, but that's what we're looking for. We, the believers, this is what we're looking for. So, uh, But you bear with us here for just a few minutes. I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. Uh, I'm not going to preach on, but just a, a very last portion of what we read, but I think this is good reading that needs to be read. Gospel according to St. Luke, uh, chapter number 22, I'm going to start about verse number 1. The Bible says, Now let the feast of unleavened, uh, bre- now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes uh, sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas. Uh, then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being one of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray uh, him unto them. And they were glad uh, and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity for, to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed, and he. Uh, sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, uh, there shall be a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water, follow him into the house uh, where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there made ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, uh, with, desire I, I, I have, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will uh, not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, this, take this and divide it among yourselves. 
Therefore I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new testament of my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. For truly the Son of Man goeth, uh, as it was determined, but woe unto the man by which he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, uh, which of them should be of, of the greatest, uh, or should be accounted uh, the greatest. And uh, listen, we, we could read the entire chapter, but we're not going to, but uh, I'm just going to stop right there. We want to focus right here, like I said, for just a few minutes. We want to uh, settle in and talk about uh, the bread and the blood. And we do this, uh, we commemorate this, and we do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ, of what he has done and his suffering account uh, for us in our stead. Uh, but as we evaluate and we go over this and uh, we have Paul in many occasions where he addressed this to the early New Testament church uh, because the uh, Passover was certainly getting out of hand uh, and there were people taking liberties at the Passover uh, and Paul had to write to them and you'll find in the book of Corinthians uh, where he had to uh, write to the church at Corinth and correct them. He said, uh, listen, they were basically making it a gluttonous feast and uh, according to the word of God, they were being drunk with the wine. Uh, listen, and they were showing themselves unworthy and unruly in the house of God. And Paul wrote them, and he addressed these things and how, uh, listen, from the uh, epistles and how the church uh, should carry out communion and what it is and what it is to represent. Uh, and I want to say this, we understand this by uh, by clarity of the word of God, we should not, number one, we should not take, uh, listen, and partake of communion of the uh, bread and the broken body and the wine. We shouldn't take of these things if we're not saved. And I don't say that to be an exclusion, and I don't say that to call anybody out, and I don't think the church needs to recognize it as that. Uh, listen, and I'll say this. Uh, listen, if we're not saved, we can't partake of the broken body and the blood because we're not partakers of that body. I'll say this, I'll say, even if you are saved and your heart is not right, or if you're living in sin, or if you have all against your brother according to the word of God, we should make things right with our brother. We should, listen, there shouldn't be discord among the brethren. Uh, listen to me, there should not be contention. And this, this, this is another reason that this was brought up. And so often it was done in the church house. The reason this was done was to keep peace and unity and order. Listen, there's so many, uh, so much confusion in the church today. Listen, we like to get mad at one another. We like to sow discord. The Bible tells us there's six things that the Lord hate and uh, listen the primary one of those being uh, is sowing discord among the brethren listen to me and I'm going to tell you something friends listen for all for so long we have tolerated things and we've put up with things uh, uh, but friends today listen to me if we be united if we be in one mind and one accord uh, those that uh, continually try to sow discord among us they need to be dealt with 
says, you know what? This word, this contentment in the house of God. I tell you, friends, listen, I, the, the day of communion when we celebrate the Passover should be a day when each and every one of us, if we search our hearts and see what lies within us, David prayed in the 51st chapter of the book of Psalms, and he said, Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way within me. And if there be any wickedness, forgive me and lead me from the evil one. I tell you, friends, today, today ought to be a day when we fall on our feet, our face before God. I, listen, Paul addressed them over there in the book of or in, in the book of Corinthians when he was talking uh, to the church of Corinth, and he told him, he said, "There's many sickly, sickly among you, and there's many that have died because you've taken of the Lord's supper unworthily." Friend, today, listen to me. I don't think that we pay uh, we pay specific enough attention, and we give the earnest heed and thought uh, to the things which the Word of God has told us concerning these things uh, and this matter. Listen, it's important that we understand what we're doing today, that we understand what we're looking forward to. The reason of the institution of the Lord's Supper was to keep a continuity in the church. It was to keep peace in the church. It was a place where people were made to examine themselves. But today, we've made it into something where we take the sacraments. It's just like baptism. It's the shift in mentality that we've had in baptism. Baptism was an outward sign of an inward transfer of transaction that had transpired between the Son of God and our individual believer. And it was it was uh, instituted to be a demonstration to the world that you'll lay down your life for the cause of Christ. It was a public demonstration to a world full of Judaizers who hated Christ and crucified him, who hated the church and killed him. Uh, friends, today, listen, uh, the, the act of baptism was meant to be uh, meant for believers to say and openly display to the world, I'm willing to lay down my life for the cause of Christ. But baptism doesn't have that same activity to us as it does to them. Because we're not because Christ doesn't cost us anything in return. Hey, I'll tell you what, well, uh, preacher, they talk about it. I'm going to tell you something, friends, listen. And I, just, I, don't, I really don't want to make light of this because uh, and, and I'm careful when I say this, and this is a challenge for me uh, from a parent's perspective because when you are young, I, I can... I can see that those today, you know, it takes a certain amount of time as you grow. Uh, listen to me, that uh, you reach a state and a point where it's not that you don't care, but you are just confident in who God has made you. And it's not that you don't care, but uh, listen, because I believe we do care, uh, but we hold ourselves and we carry ourselves confidently. We reach a point in our lives 
listen to me. I, I, listen, I'm not going to get a quivering voice when Donald J. Trump walks up to me and wants to shake my hand. You know why? Because I've realized that he's facing my life. He puts his fences on just like I do. He scrambles his eggs just like I scramble mine. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, there is nothing that makes him better than me, and especially according to the Word of God. It, listen, uh, when we talk about the, the crown being level at the cross of Calvary, listen to me, money and prestige and who we are and the things that, uh, listen, all the accolades that this life has to offer us, friends, does not, does not put us in a place where we are, are to be condescended upon. Amen. Uh, listen to me. I enjoy working with smart and intelligent people. I love to learn from them. Uh, listen to me. I love knowledge. And when I get around smart people and very intellectual people, I like to pick their brain and ask them questions. I myself want to grow in knowledge. But I don't care how smart you are. If you want to be condescending toward me, I don't care what you have to say. You see, friends, today, listen, we need to know ourselves and we need to understand ourselves and we need to have a confidence not necessarily in us, but we need to have a confidence in Christ and I said all that to say this because I know the influence of peer pressure today. I listen, and, and I understand, I listen, partially, I partially understand what our young people face. Listen, what you face, the generation and the couple generations behind me, what you face, I listen, was nowhere near in, in comparison to what I faced. And what I went through and what I encountered, I am confident is nothing in regards to what our young people are faced with today. We live in a digital generation. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. Things are different today. Well, preacher, I don't want them to be different. You can want all you want to, but that's not going to change a thing. We live in a digital world. We live in a highly communicated world. Uh, listen, we have 24-hour news cycles. You've heard me talk about this. Listen, we've got Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all the other ones that I don't even know about. And that is, uh, listen to me, I'm going to tell you something. When you see a kid's culture today and they're looking at their phone, they're talking to somebody, uh, listen, via some social media messaging app, whatever it is, or they're just taking a picture of themselves. But listen, we need to understand the times that we're living in. Because, friends, listen, because we have come here, I remember Miss Annie Ruth telling me 25 years ago, I sat in her living room, and she was talking about the state of the church. And I want you to keep this in your mind. Listen to me. She was sitting there brokenhearted. I listen, and she said, we've gone so far that I don't believe we'll ever get back. And she said that 25 years ago. 
I told a man, he, he was on the phone with me, I listened uh, uh, through the week, another pastor I listened to me, and I, I told him this, I said, in the Old Testament, you'll find a place where the Bible said that the old timers, they came in and they wept because they remembered of the former glory of the tabernacle. I said, listen to me. I said, we've gone so far. We talk about the days when they wept over the former glory. You think about that for a minute. We talk about the days when they wept about the former glory. Well, I'll tell you something, friends, today. Listen, uh, uh, listen, if we've ever lived in anything, we need to understand where we are. Does that uh, preacher, uh, if you just wadded everything up and throwed it away, no. Uh, listen to me. I don't say those things to be discouraging either. But I need to, listen, we as the modern day church, we need to understand where we are. And if we're going to reach the world for the cause of Christ, we've got to understand where we are. What's it about? Is it about me? Is it about you? Or is it about reaching people for the cause of Christ? Friends, listen, we don't need to, uh, listen, we don't need to yield or submit ourselves to the world. We don't need to conform to those things. But we need to understand today that we are the church of the living God in this day. Uh, friends, listen to me. God give us a mind. God give us a heart. God give us, uh, listen, I tell you, there's some smart people in God's house. Amen. Uh, listen to me. And when they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, you know what? God can take them and use them. Listen, I want to say this, friends. Listen, for all those out there today, uh, listen, I, I tell you, I've heard this, but I'm sick of it. Amen. And I'm just going to address it. Uh, listen to it. I, I tell you, they, they look down on education in the church. You've you got to understand, Paul was the most educated man that ever walked. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a chief of the Sanhedrin. He could literally quote word for word the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Raised at the feet of Gamaliel, what we consider the greatest university. He was a very intellectual man. And because of his intellect and because of his education and because of his affiliation, it afforded him the liberty and the opportunity to go and do things that other people would never have had the opportunity to do. Why do you say that, preacher? Quit crucifying those that are with us at the stake. Amen. Listen, I like it a certain way. I like being around certain people. But I tell you what, my friends, listen, some may, you may not recognize, but the Dr. David Allens, the Dr. Robbie Zacharias's, the Dr. Layton Plowers, the Dr. Adam Harwood, and you say, well, preacher, I have no idea who they are. I'm going to tell you something. Those are some of the greatest modern-day theologians, and they're fighting the good fight for the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't crucify them. Pray for them. Well, preacher, all school did was teach them how to preach. 
you don't understand what they're fighting. They're fighting an intellectual world. I didn't mean to digress and get off into this ditch, so I'll come back out of it in a minute, listen. If I don't blow a tire, I'll get back on the road. But listen, friends, today, listen, we've got to understand there are some great men out there fighting, and they are trying to maintain a course for the cause of Christ. They are, listen to me, they are, uh, listen, they are offering life and limb to make sure that the sovereignty of God and the blood of Christ is, uh, listen, intact. Wife said, we appreciate these fellows. These fellows are the ones that are fighting the universities and the book presses. These are the fellows out there, the Dr. Adrian Rogers and Dr. Jerry Vines. They're the ones that's out there fighting for the Word of God so your great-great-grandchildren will be able to hold one in their hands. Boy, we need to understand it takes us out of it. We don't need to throw rocks at what we don't understand. Amen? Now listen, the Bible tells us Paul was over there. Very intellectual, very smart man. Listen, and now here, this is one thing that Paul said. He said, he said, everything that I have, all the intellect that I have, all the education that I have, he said, I counted it dung that I may gain Christ. But it never did. When he went to Greece, he met the Grecians where the Grecians were. Remember that? When he went to Athens, he surveyed the landscape and he found them and he looked around them, Richard. Listen, and he's seen, uh, he seen a culture and he's seen a generation of people that all they did is worship gods. They just didn't worship the right God. So Paul went and surveyed the landscape and he finally found a tomb over there and it said to the unknown God. He said, this is the one I want to tell you about. You're already good at worshiping. You're already good at going to church. You're just not going to the right one, and you're not doing the right thing. And he said, I want to help you. When he went to Rome, and he seen Felix and Festus, and he, listen, he met them right where they were. Amen. Listen, they said, are you not a Jew? He said, yeah, I'm a Jew. He said, but I have Roman citizenship. where they were and when he met them where they were that's why I tell, listen I tell you you need to be careful when you use this statement right here you ain't got nothing better to preach about than our testimony we need to get preaching I've heard that said I tell you why we need to be careful with that statement because everywhere Paul went he said let me tell you what happened to me on the road to Damascus. He used it as a segue and a gateway. And Wayne said it this morning. The Bible tells us in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. And the Bible says, and they overcame thee by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Friends, today listen to me. The most precious thing that we as the children of God have as a witness to those around us is our testimony. 
And I tell you what, friends, when they listen to our young people, they're suffering and they're going through a, a phase and a and a trial. Uh, listen, uh, we need to we need under, we need to back up and understand where they're at. My children, the pastor of Timber East Baptist Church, their my children. It's commonplace for them to go to school with folks that have too much and too little. We can talk about that from a broken home perspective. We can talk about that in the same home perspective. Things are different. I don't want them to be different. Well, just because we don't want them to, don't mean that they won't. You see, that's what I'm, listen to me, this is what is on my heart. We don't, listen, the Bible's clear, we don't change, we don't conform. But if we're going to reach the world, if we're really in this for Jesus, we've got to find a way to meet them where they are. Preacher, I don't like that. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. I, I'll say this. The first year's up. The honeymoon's over. Amen. I'm going to push you to the edge of the plane. Preacher, I love what we have. I love what we have too. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't take what we love, what we love will soon die. If we don't figure out how to take what we love to where the world is. Paul met us. Three missionary journeys later, he sent out <coughs> two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, listen, he was the author of, listen, three missionary journeys later. Cost him his eyesight, cost him his legs, ultimately cost him his life. But he said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Now I finish my course. And we need not, uh, listen, I tell you what, that's, a, that's, the, that's the words of a dying saint. But the final words of a dying saint wasn't to, uh, listen, a, a, uh, listen, a nameless generation in a society Listen, you know what he had done? He'd went out, Brother Danny, and he'd found him a young boy. Who come from good stock, Lois and Eunice. Right? He said, Eunice, your grandson Timothy. And he was about knee high. He said, your grandson Timothy, there's something special about him, you know. Paul kept him close, didn't he? Until he got of age and then he took him up under his arm. And listen, he said, he said, Timothy, everything that I have, all the knowledge, all the intellect, all the training that I have, he said, I'm glad I got my count of his dung. He said, but what I have, the knowledge that I have, I want you to possess. 
I'll tell you what, if we don't start raising up and we don't start grabbing a hold those that are coming on behind us, I, listen, we can stand and say, I've kept the faith, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, but if we're not passing on what we have done to somebody, then it's all for naught. Paul said these things because he had Timothy in mind. He said, Paul, my ship is about to dock. When he penned this from a jail cell under candlelight, when he looked down and he seen the guards and he seen the chopping block and the blood stains had covered the floor. He looked out there and saw that through, uh, listen, through the glimmer of the candlelight, through his fading eyesight and through his crippled hands. He thought and he said, listen, hey, I, I, I preached this before, amen. Uh, listen, he didn't tell Timothy, go back to Lewis, uh, Lois and Lewis. He didn't tell Timothy, uh, listen, you go be a good fisherman or you go be a good farmer. Uh, listen, he didn't say forget everything I've done, everything that I've established, and go back home and make a good life for yourself. You know what he told him? He said, it's costing me my life and I'm going to die tomorrow. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. I'm going to tell you something. If Paul had it to do over again, he would do it again. Hey, I tell you, listen, I believe I preached on it a couple of Sunday nights ago in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We see the struggle between Paul, don't we? I preached on this. Amen. I listen, he said, I listen, he said, I'd like to stay with you. He said, but I'll hold to be close. With my help, with my heavenly home. He said, but I know i got to stay for a little while longer still. But he said, I know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Worth the struggle. But I tell you what, friends, listen, we need to look around us left and right before and behind. We need to find some Timothy's. In our lives. Well, I tell you what, I remember I remember the older lady. I remember Annie Ruth doing it to Mandy. You may I tell you what, it don't need to come from the pulpit. Amen. I'm gonna tell you something, friends. Listen, I ain't got time, nor am I gonna listen. To a man that all he wants to talk about is how long or short a woman's hair is, what somebody's wearing to the house of God, the lipstick and makeup. I'm going to tell you, I ain't got time for it. Amen. Hey, people dying and going to hell. Amen. You know, listen to me. I'm going to tell you something, friends. You know where that needs to be addressed? That needs to be addressed in the home. Amen. And these older ladies, friends, listen to me. You don't execute them at the stake, and you don't crucify them. You don't make them feel terrible. You don't make them. You don't make the house of God a place where people don't feel welcome. You take them and you befriend them, don't you, Miss Kay? Then you befriend them. Then you can begin to educate them. About what is appropriate for them. 
remember, I remember my granddaddy as a young boy. Listen to me. And, and I, listen, I fall in this camp. Amen. I'm not going to stand up here and preach about it. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't care what stage of faith you're in. I listen, especially if you don't know Jesus Christ, you come on in the house of God. I'll preach to you, and I believe the Lord Jesus Christ can save you. And listen to me, when he saves you, he'll clean up the inside. Amen. And when you get the inside clean, eventually the outside will follow. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, and it's a process. That's what the Bible talks about, the process of sanctification. Amen. i tell you what, friends, today, listen, uh, listen, almost 32 years removed from the day I got saved, I'm a lot different today than I was 32 years ago. I said I wasn't going to preach long, but I believe I will. Listen to me, I tell you, we need to find them and raise them up. Amen. Because they're all things that are important. But we don't need to handle them in a way that we chop them away where they don't feel not like they're not welcome at the house of God. Love them and we do all we can. Right? I want to say something, friends, listen to me, because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can be as loving and as careful as you can possibly be about talking to someone, but when someone, sometimes they are so emotionally charged, even though it comes from love, it's received as hate. Love is received as hate. Look at me. When you love somebody and it's received as hate, you continue to love. Don't strike back. Amen? Because when you talk in love and it's received in hate, you know what comes out? Hate. Anger. If you respond in hate and anger, the love that it was once offered in is gone. You've got to continue to love them through the emotion. Amen. And you say, listen, you say, well, preacher, that sounds extremely hard. It is. Amen. But listen to me. Christ is the perfect example. Every strike on the face and the back and the crown of thorns, that was hate responding to love. But love never ran back. You know what love did? It stayed calm and it stayed patient. Because I'm telling you something. You may say, well, preacher, it'll never work out again. You don't know that. Because I'll tell you something, friends, listen, when love has to deal 
was an issue or a problem or something and it prompts an emotional reaction of hate and anger, I'm going to tell you something, friends. It would happen in every one of us. It has happened to me. But if you continue to love and give it time, don't strike back at others. They have an emotional release of anger. You let them do it. Just be quiet. You, you know the old saying, they won't be none. If you don't start none. <laughs> Amen. myself, if you don't walk in both, or at least attempt to walk in both spirits, you'll never just say, I hate it, I love it, persist in love, Jesus simply persisted in love. And when Jesus persisted in love, there came a place and point in time where there was a, a Roman soldier who stood on the hilltop of Calvary of Jewish descent. And he stood there on Calvary's hill, the one that had beat him, whipped him all the way up Calvary's hill. The Bible says that the last hour had come and the, listen, the Sabbath was imminent and nobody could be alive on the cross. And so the soldier went to, listen, and he broke the one of the, uh, of the thief on the right. And he broke the legs of the thief on the left. And he came to Jesus and seeing he was already dead. Took his spade, the Bible said, and thrust it under his fifth rib. And forthwith came blood and water. I'll tell you something, friends, listen. I, I Listen, I, I will say this, and I, I'm trying to put these things into action uh, myself, amen. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to understand about psychology. I really, you say, well, preacher, you don't need to know that. Well, obviously, I do. Because all my life, you know what I've done? When I don't care how it was received, my first snap judgment and instinct was to strike back in anger. We all have a fight or flight instinct. Amen. Some people, when they're sleeping and you wake them up, they scream. Some people swing. Amen. I used to love, I'd walk up on my daddy. He was a swinger. And I'd get a broomstick. I'd rake it across the bottom of his foot, and he'd come slap up out of the couch swinging. Somebody was going to die. I mean, violent swinging. 
You should do it just out of meekness. Some people, they, they crawl back in the hole and they scream and they lock up. But see, you know, that, that's, that's personal instinct. But listen to me. In any circumstance, it prompts and it drives us to a place and to a point of anger. I tell you what, the older I get, I tell you, I appreciate the demonstration of Christ. Ain't you glad that love always wins? Boy, I tell you, it took me 40 years to even begin to comprehend love always. Most of the time, look like it has an overwhelming majority of believers. I'm glad in my most wicked and sinful time period of my life, I've tried, to, I've tried to remember this and listen to this because this is what I responded to. I don't have a flight complex. I like to fight. Amen. I tell you, especially in my sinful years, I used to go find fights. I loved it. Proud of it. If there wasn't a fight, I'd try and make a fight. And so, friends, listen. When we get to that place and that point, we need to understand love always wins. We always need to listen and be led. And listen to me, I'll tell you what, more than likely, it has happened to me in the church. Listen, I want you to look at me this morning. And I've responded negatively. And I tell you what, I'm glad that I went through these things in my life because they were learning experiences about how I should respond and how I could have done different. Amen. I tell you what, if you're not learning in the process, then you're missing the entire point of everything that you go through in your life. I've been through it in the church. I've had love respond and I acted in hate. I've had hate respond and responded in hate. But when hate responds and love grabs them by the hand. Let me tell you something. Listen, I ain't calling no names and I ain't telling the churches or nothing like that. There was a man, I'm telling you. He hated, man alive, he hated me. Hated the way I preached, boy, I'm telling you, love. 
I'd already been through a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you, I'd already heard out in the community all the things he was saying, and I just held my tongue. Come to the church house one morning. I didn't do this out of meanness, Miss Terry. I'm going to tell you, God done work in my heart. We come back to the church one more time, Brother Daniel. He was coming out the door, and God literally broke my heart and tears running down my cheek. And I reached out my hand. I grabbed his hand, and I said, Brother, I love you. And I mean I love you. And I, he tried to walk away from me, and I pulled him back in. And I said, you look me in the eye. I said, I'm going to tell you something. I love you. I've seen him many times since, but from a distance. The talking stopped, and he disappeared. If I'm standing right here, I promise you he will walk to the end of Timber Ridge Road not to walk by me. But you know what? I'm glad I don't have to live my life that way. Right? I'm glad I can go to any diner I want to and sit down with whoever I want. Amen. Listen, there's a, I, I, I like to go eat breakfast every once in a while on Friday mornings with Mandy's daddy, and there's a big crew of boys I went to school with, a little bit older, a little bit younger than me, but they all get together and they eat on Friday mornings. <laughs> And me and uh, Bobby would try and sit together mainly. He said, "You don't want to sit with them." I said, "No, I, I, I feel kind of, I feel kind of guilty because they start getting so nervous when I sit down." I said, "I'll just sit and eat with you. I'm perfectly fine." I sat down with him one Friday morning. He, there was a boy running up to me. He said, "Hey, now look, look, look! You see that man running up there in line?" I said, "I don't know what he's going to say." When he comes over here. And he said, "Listen." Okay, I ain't lying. Just be who you are. Boy, we need to be loved. Even in the face of hate. And this is what I see demonstrated the most. This is what I'm reminded of the most today. When hate was shown, love was found. The world said we hate you, and he reached out and grabbed God by one hand. And like my daughter does sometimes, I when I get out in the middle of the parking lot, and I'll grab her hand. She'll try and jerk back, but I'm glad I can overpower her. Amen. And even if her fingers start to slide, I'm glad I can get her behind the hand, right on the wrist, and grab a hold of her, hoist her, where she can't get away from me. And I'm glad at the cross of Calvary, listen, Christ grabbed God by one hand, and he grabbed man by another. Listen, he said, you may hate me, but love's built a bridge. You can stay over here in your hate. You can get to where I am because of love. 
choose you this day who you will serve. Great service. Now listen, I, I, I'm done. Uh, before they unveil the table, I, I want them, if they would, uh, if they just come and at least give us one verse of invitation. If you feel like you need to pray and you feel like you need to handle something and you need to talk to somebody, I'm just whatever needs to be done, you do it while we give you this verse of invitation. We'll ask Miss Delaney, if she would, just to stay uh, seated at the piano when the altar's clear or if nobody comes, we'll uh, proceed with the communion service and ask the deacons to take a seat here in just a few minutes. But you do what is on your heart this morning. If it, if there is ought, give it to him this morning. Boy, God's good to us. Boy, I'm thankful for love, ain't you? Because I tell you what, I've responded in hate so much. I didn't, I listen, I'm telling you right now, I don't deserve anything I've got. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my kids. I don't deserve this honor to be standing where I'm standing. But thank God, love. Love. Love always prevails. Stand to your feet this morning.